Welcome to the Indie Music Room, a conversation with independent artists about writing, recording, performing, and promoting their original music. And now here's your host, Heather Kelly. Hey everybody, this is Heather Kelly with the Indie Music Room, and I'm very excited to introduce, introduce our next guest of the month, and her name is Lauren Peacock. Lauren, welcome. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm great. Thank you for having me. I'm so grateful to be having this conversation with you about music. Yeah, well, you've got a lot of background and history to share with us, so let's get to it. Why don't you let everybody know where you were born, where you're at now, and a little bit of how you got involved in the music industry. Um, okay, so long story short, as short as can be, um, I was born in North Barrington, Illinois, in the Chicago area and spent my childhood between the San Francisco area and the Chicago area. Um, Napa Valley, Santa Rosa, some beautiful places that I visited later as an adult. And I was like, this was so much more beautiful than I even remember. So really idyllic places to be. Um, We went back to Illinois, which was, you know, there are a lot of good things there too, um, in the Chicago area to finish out high school. And I went to Colorado College for a minute, transferred to Wisconsin, University of Wisconsin. Um, And yeah, I mean, just kind of have lived in so many cities, moved to Chicago afterwards. My mom was a Suzuki piano teacher most of my life. So Uh I played piano since I was about three. And I mean, she had, I've heard up to 50 students at a time, 30 students. I don't remember the exacts, but (laughs) So in the womb, I was hearing this music, I'm music. sure. Um, my sister did a little violin. Um, everybody played and sang and um, it, we're in musicals and like Annie and things. When I was real young, I remember my sister being in that. And um, yeah, so music was kind of a part of things. Family gatherings, people would play around the piano and sing Christmas carols. And my grandfather loved Edelweiss and, you know, yeah. songs like that. So a lot of the standards, a lot of musicals. My mom and I would watch um, Hello Dolly and different things growing up and um, went to quite a few. Love Les Mis. Actually, just remembering this now, but I used to run around the house singing when I was nine, like Eponine. Um, what is that song? She's the really sad one that she sings about unrequited love. It's very dramatic. Um, so I have a lot of memories of music growing up. Um, and I really was into sports in high school, like swimming, water polo, and gymnastics. Mm-hmm. I still dance. Um, I really love all that. But I got away from when I was at the, I was about to learn. Um, oh, my goodness. Claire de Lune. can't believe I was going to think on that, which I'm still at my age trying to um, learn. I, I, I know the opening few pages finally but I I stopped when I was like 14 doing a bunch of sports so when I was about 25 I was in Chicago and my mom was saying why don't you try doing some music right I think I had started taking a few classes or engaging with the Old Town School of Folk Music I eventually um actually come to think of it that's where John Prine started um which is going to be full circle I think later right um but yeah I um I ended up working in the guitar store and kind of became their keyboard specialist in some kind of loose way and uh-huh. um, stayed there for a while. I, I actually had my first solo show. I was writing songs finally then. I wrote one when I was 18 that I still remember, but don't have written down anywhere, never been recorded. And um, yeah, I thought I was going to be a writer. I was really into poetry actually. And so um, I, I put my name for the lottery for the Old Town School's uh, staff stage at the Folk and Roots Festival in Chicago. Mm-hmm. 
and I got it. And I had this weird feeling I was going to get it. And I got to play that show with some other teachers and friends that worked at the school. And it was wonderful. And we did some Feist covers and my originals and got to play. This was a cool opportunity um, through Letters to Santa is the organization. Got to play two years in a row, these house shows with Jeff Tweedy that he would play with this local ensemble. I think I played on 21 songs with him and sang a little bit on Far, Far Away. And uh, at one point, his guitar broke during one of the shows. And these were just like this fancy living room kind of setting. And he and his wife, and they were just so nice. And but his guitar broke and I had my telly thin line there and he played it. (laughs) For the rest of the show and i always thought that was cool that is um, cool again I'm, I'm literally having these memories as i'm answering this because i didn't even know how to prepare for that question but yeah eventually i moved to philly and i met a band called me without you and um, i suppose what happened next is i was playing synth and keys and organ for them and replicating heart parts on the Wurlitzer and things um, on sure. some of their songs that if anybody's a fan they'll know the exact iconic songs that have those really important harp parts. Um, and yeah, I got to play the release show for It's All Great, It's All False, It's All a Dream, It's All Right, long title. And um, so after that, I mean, they went on a national tour and another keyboardist re- rejoined the band. And then I was in this punk band and they were just kind of a mess. Diversity. We got kicked out of Canada and like, there's just um, <laughs> enough there. And this man Brian McTeer does um, weather vane music and did minor street studio where Sharon Van Etten's recorded and Dr. Dog and um, oh, there's a, a Amos Lee, I think in Philly, um, really wonderful studio. Uh, he was kind of like, I think the universe is telling you to do your own music. So me without you backed me on my first few records and scheduling issues led to me working with um, a really artistic man is great. He has these ears for mixing and producing that are really wonderful. Daniel Smith um, out in New Jersey. He had worked with me without you. I ended up finishing a lot of it out there and he mixed it. Um, And that was really fun. Had my friend Dennison Whitmer on some of that and just some really, there's a few players in Philly that um, they know who they are that I could call out to this day that I had my dream band, you know, just at the end of that and even playing live sometimes just really incredible a drummer, guitarist, some people that, and some friends who guested singing, um, really wonderful experiences there. And eventually I went on a 12 week house show tour and I just, I kind of knew I was moving on, but, and I'd finished a master's degree at Penn and, um, in liberal arts about, um, kind of the cultural engagement of the arts with like, especially social movement. And I used Bob Dylan a bunch, which they let me do because they said, you're right. a super fan, you can do it. Now I just have so much respect for him. And I actually just scored a ticket at the Ryman finally to see him live. Yay! I saw him from outside the amphitheater with my morning jacket. And I think Wilco or just Jeff Tweedy's band, we were outside on the grass uh, yeah. outside the actual by the river. Um, so I heard part of that concert, but I've never actually seen him. So I'm very excited about that. Um, a lot of time I computed the other morning. So anyway, I said long story short, but I um, felt when I got to Nashville, I, I was trying to head north for Christmas and we had finished in Memphis, this big house show tour. And um, I just was in Nashville for like eight days, kind of by accident, staying with a friend. And somebody had been like, hey, I've always thought maybe this could be a place that I didn't want to like direct you too much. And I'd been thinking it. And somebody showed me their apartment in their apartment complex. And they were yeah. like, I have a meeting with the building manager. And it just <laughs> fell into place. She was like, 
you know, I'll get rid of this check if you don't want to do it in two weeks, go home for Christmas, go home to Philly. And it was hard to leave Philly. It was like ripping my left arm off because I love yeah. everybody there. And I love West Philadelphia. I had such a good experience there musically. Um, anyway, I land here sitting on my couch, finishing Johnny Cash's autobiography. And the first page I opened up to is I used to go record so-and-so. And it was like the street I was sitting on at the time. And I was like, and I put it down for months and I was just like, okay, serendipity, maybe this is, but you know, it took about, right. I did a, a project in the middle. I got another master's degree. I've been here a long time and it's just, you know, now played new faces night places like the basement, but now it's like locally, I feel like I'm really finding those people that it was, it was just a little more obvious who your people were in Philly because it was a smaller scene. Right. It takes time, I think. And it took me, time to adjust to being in the south but i'm uh, i'm here and i am you know you're just making music you're doing good things doing a third master's degree and finally my mfa in poetry which is my undergrads in and that takes me to paris a few times a year but we were on zoom again so now i'm home yeah. um well how about this journey. why don't you explain to everybody the first song we're going to play why don't you announce that and tell us um after we play it, we're going to come back and um, I want to hear how you wrote this song, but why don't you go ahead and introduce right, the first right. song? Yeah, that um, I was kind of holding off. That was kind of where the story was going. But I was oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. That was great because it, it makes it um, that's perfect. The in terms of just explaining the present day, this is um, called Camus Blues. And funny enough, I think it was supposed to be called Camus Blues. But, you know, the digital service providers don't let you put that little apostrophe. Right. I right. believe there was an email exchange that I lost about that because you can request. But um, uh, so now when it when it got played on the radio, it, it started saying Camus Blues. And I'm like, well, I guess you're right. That is the title of the song now. So I'll let you know in the future what I've really landed on in terms of how I'm going to say it. Yeah, but right. Let's call it Camus Blues for now. Um, it's a bluesy riff that is, gosh, it's so interesting that uh, when I was in, I was doing a theological studies master's that really I was wanting to work in the arts and work on poetry and literature. And that was a really interesting lens to do it. Um, there's a lot of cool activism going on at um, Vanderbilt there. And so I was in a class on Camus and I'd been with the same professor, a class on Flannery O'Connor and Camus, uh, he has that novel that's now famous, infamous, uh, always was. Right. And he has an essay about Sisyphus pushing the rock up the hill over and over again. And um, just kind of a lot of comment, especially because of the theological lens, um, the social criticism lens that we were using was um, kind of talking about like, like paying attention as um, kind of a moral issue in this day and age and how um, the complicity of religious structures and the state and how that interacts with things and you know, all the suffering in the world. We were really talking about suffering and theodicy is a fancy word for that, but that actually mm -hmm. happens in the song. But um, I will tell you more about how I wrote it, but I was taking that class. And um, so the song is, li is literally an exploration of Camus' The Plague and the themes within it. And how I wrote it will speak to that more. But um, I had no idea, this was in 2018, that by, when I released this song in 2021, but recorded it in 2020, um, after the pandemic had already been in full swing, these songs that I thought, this is so strange, why am I writing about this? Um, and who knows, but sometimes your songs make more sense in other contexts or later. And 
right. sometimes they reveal themselves slowly over time, um, like any art. And it, I just had no idea how relevant it would become. So this is um, recorded with a killer band at the uh, bomb shelter in East Nashville. Uh, Jack Lawrence of the Rack and Tours on here. JJ, John Joseph Tourville of the Deslons. I had to look it up earlier. I, it was his baritone guitar that creates that gallop in the beginning. Okay. Um, there's a really interesting SK1 um, uh, solo in the middle that um, Andrea Tokic, who worked with works with Josephine Foster and did that Alabama Shakes record that really broke them out. Um, wonderful producer. We co-produced this. And he, I remember he made me play, not made me, but he's had me play this solo on this SK1, which is a child's Casio Right, right. And the keys are like this big. And I, I used to be able to play a full set on one of those as just a joke at music festivals and stuff. But I hadn't played one in years. And it's kind of this slippery um, kind of um, solo that happened because he wouldn't let me redo it because it was my first go. And it right. the, the um, kind of trippiness of it, um, he just loved. So that's in there. And this song... Um, the last detail I'll share is that this was really cool because it ended up getting me um, on, a, I don't know if this, this wasn't the first time, but the Lightning 100 local hour, but it's the first time I, I ended up in circulation on the, the main radios, not just the local hour, but right. he had um, nominated me for artist of the month and, um, or the week, right. artist of the week, sorry. And they wrote it up and everything. And it was, it was just so funny, this song that I'll explain the background of it more in a minute, but that Camus Blues ended up being the one. But even as reported, we're like, this sounds kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, so well, let's take a listen. My, still a fun one in my mind. Very good. All right, here we go with Camus Blues, written by Lauren Peacock. We'll be right back with you. Am I Africa? Are you in the wind? Is this reflection something I am curious in? All you ever saw, all you ever Sureness of the answer paints this place absurd. Join sorrow mix, life's contradiction. I'd like to be your fix, I'd like to be your fiction. Always tell the truth to be a saint. Only the artists use their eyes and painters paint. All the second guessing and revision. We take out all the adjectives and graphs for vision. The morality. Collective 
was a great song i love it um do you have anything else to add quickly about that one before we move on just that when i wrote it i remember you were asking about the um the writing process i remember kind of writing up these lyrics that i didn't know what they'd become and handing them to my professor just you know you know the, that meme that's like nobody colon right it's this person handing their professor lyrics with no context that didn't quite make sense as a poem and Anyway, I was looking back at my voice memos because sometimes I have to because there's just a lot that goes through my in and out of there um, mm -hmm. in terms of song starts and things. And um, I had tried putting it with some other kind of chords back and forth. I actually want to go revisit that because it sounded kind of cool. I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. But right. then I had this bluesy riff that um, I had sang into my phone with no lyrics. And I thought, well, that'd be cool to mess with this and try to do a blues progression that goes um it kind of gets disrupted right and um and then i started singing this over it and i'm like that that really matches and it just turned into um i i i can't remember it might have already been called Camus blues we got it <laughs> sorry about that that happens when you're doing like podcasts no, I, I love it it's life um, so anyway, I'd handed my professor this and, um, I hope that he's smiling somewhere when this got played on the radio and became the one that was blasted all over town, yeah. uh, just knowing the origins of it. And then kind of that, like how relevant it became in a way that it just wasn't predictable. I don't think it was predictable for any of us. So, right. Right. There's another one that I, we want to talk about so we can play that one as well. I listened to this one probably three or four times over the last week, but it's called anything once. Mm -hmm. That's a sweet song. I think it's beautiful. Tell me a little bit about that one. Um, yeah, I like the way this one is, is really a special one to me on this record. This is part of a 16 song record I just released. So that last one was part of Theology, which was um, 
released March 2021. And this one, I, um, I released an EP with two songs in between. So I released 30 songs this past year in 2021. <laughs> Crazy. I, don't, I didn't even mean to. Um, honestly, I was trying to get my thesis done for this current master's. I'm almost done. And I was supposed to do it this spring, but now it's delayed because of coronavirus. So I did all of, of this. I even produced this record. Not that I don't love producing or wouldn't want to, but I would have loved a wonderful producer on this one as well with sure. me, working with me. Cause I, I think it's almost a little bit bananas to use, to wear all those hats, but, and it's hard, but it's a lot of work. This was 16 songs done in the studio for the basics, but I recorded part in France. I'll get to that. I recorded in a hotel room. Yeah, part in my bathroom, part in my my own uh, my own grand piano. A lot of vocals at home, and um, you know, got things where I wanted it, and then we mixed it. But I just I couldn't even have asked somebody to work on the timeline because I knew I had to get it out by December. And we just got the release show done before Omicron hit, and I guess Omicron, I guess that that was um, good in the end. But this one is the first song on that record, and. Um, there's a really sweet riff that Juan who played guitar um, does in there that I think really makes the song. It was a really fun one to record because sure. uh, the vibes are good. I, I really enjoy this song um, the way it turned out. And I had tried to re-record the vocals at home, but um, it turned out the scratch vocal was, and we use a lot of scratch vocals on this record. It just had right. the right feel. And sure. this was happening very quickly. So, and there were so many songs. Um, so there was also, I did a piano solo in the middle of this one. And I wanted to bring that as a theme because I'm classically trained um, originally. And so the, the, the way themes interact in classical music feels really natural to me um, and bringing things back in. I mean, it works in a lot of genres of music. And um, so when I was in my hotel room in France, I had kind of snuck, by snuck, I mean, brought a Mellotron, a mini Mellotron in my suitcase, which didn't leave a lot of room for clothes and things. And um, I brought that theme back in at the end. Okay. That part was really fun to me. Um, and yeah, this song is about a kind of, a, it could happen at any point in a relationship. I think I was thinking about this, the, the will they, won't they of like the, the speaker given to the love that's being offered. Um, will the person trust, will the person, yeah. is this even the right situation for them? Are they just holding off? Are they just scared? Will the person wait for them? Yeah. And so I think that that can happen early on in various kinds of relationships and it can, um, this could be years down the road, but um, yeah, I pulled from, last thing I'll say is I pulled from uh, several different characters, not even people I've dated in my life, just the things they've said, who they were to kind of build this speaker yeah. and um, their love interest. And so it's kind of a wide open space and I, I'm glad that it translates. Okay, well, we're gonna go ahead and have a listen to Anything Once written by Lauren Peacock. Oh, you're my 
once written by Lauren Peacock. Beautiful song again. I love all your stories behind your music. You've got one last one um, that you're going to share with us today. And why don't you tell me about that one, the John Prine Ghost. John Prine's Ghost, um, as I told you earlier, um, when we were speaking before this, I I wasn't sure what, what song to do next because this is not one that's a single, but I thought it would be fun to dive into one that's a little bit more folky has this because I kind of started in that beauty finger picking like that kind of Mm -hmm. vibe and um, this song is really special to me because John Prine's passing was a big deal to a lot of us in Nashville and he was right down the street in Vanderbilt Hospital and all of us were pulling for him and honestly I mean even the guys in the street probably like what the heck but like this song even when we were mixing it would like make me cry and Uh I just wanted to be like respectful toward John Prine's memory and like I know that, um, uh, well, I'll say that in a minute, but I, you know, was riding my bike trying to like, the Dragon Park's right next to the hospital and I was riding my bike down the hill and listening to my friend um, playing songs on a live stream. You know, all the things that were 2020 around like April, late March, early April, um, and just that whole feeling of that. And so I really um, felt like it was captured in the beauty and the pain of that was captured in the song. And my friend Molly Pardon, who is a wonderful songwriter that y'all should look up, um, also guests. Um, she sings background vocals. I love her harmonies on this and on the mmms and things. Right. 
And um, so, yeah, Jack Lawrence played bass. He said his favorite line was, um, it's okay for me to repeat this, but I think so. But I, it, it's the sweetness of it, like light a candle for your wife. This is an imaginative song about meeting John Prine's ghost in that interstitial yeah. space of, of when he's kind of leaving. I love, again, to bring it back to Bob Dylan, that um, Bob Dylan, Woody Guthrie history of him visiting Woody Guthrie in the hospital. So there's kind of a cheeky line, but I really was meaning it in that vein of toward the end of the song, give your torch to me like Woody Guthrie. Yeah. And we talked about, and uh, now I'd talked about ending the song there. But we kept the end because um, Andrea, again, the guy who was co-producing, he is, this is that same batch from that first Camus Blues batch of songs that I was talking right. about. He um, is playing a theremin at the end and it's really ghosty. And this is also where we went to tape almost the entire time. So it's not always perfect, but it's got this warmth to it. Um, so yeah, I really, this song is dear to my heart and not one of the singles, but I thought captures something in a vein that is just a little bit different would be interesting to to listen to. Wonderful. Well, here we're going to go ahead and take a listen to John Prine's ghost. John Prine's ghost. There we yeah. go. All right. Thank you, Lauren. Here we go. Hospital. 
Another fantastic song. I mean, if you can write 30 a year this good, you're going to you're going to be doing great. Oh, my. <laughs> so congratulations with all your success. With that said, I would like to see if you could quickly share a few links where people can find your music. Yeah, I'm at laurenpeacock.com and I'm on Facebook and Instagram a lot, trying to be a little more present on social media. Not okay. always here, but um, yeah, Bandcamp, I'm on there, but um I'm going to do a live recording at um, WVDX, I think, in Knoxville, doing the Blue Plate special live show on Tuesday. So keep an eye out for that. Um, I think it'll be on their uh, archive for two weeks, but I, I think I'm allowed to archive it on my site and other sites. So pay attention to social media, Instagram especially, I guess. Um, I try to get the word out. I have an email list through the website. Please sign up to that. I still do send out old snail mail emails yeah now the progression of things but yeah i'm just uh hoping to be writing i've so i've like i think up to 70 song starts that i'd love to work with and some of them are i'm like so excited i'm doing some other writing because of school and um right you know just i'm not sh I, I'm, I'm off uh in this in between space so it's ex it's an exciting space because I, I don't really know what's going to happen next and right kind of through this variant wave. So with live shows, I know um, I really enjoy the writing process as I've pontificated about. And, um, well, that's so, very obvious. You, I, I, everything is, uh, really deep. Every, all your songs have meaning. And, um, I, I wish I could spend the next hour with you just listening to how you write these songs because it, the stories are incredible. Um, I unfortunately like I don't have that much time, oh, but I know. I it's like my privilege. Yeah. yeah. Can I say that I really do like having my hands in every aspect of it from the recording to the producing yeah. and um, especially, you know, uh, I don't know. I think that there's a lot more of that going on. And um, but it's also really, really great to get in a real studio and get a band there and just be the artist. So Absolutely. we'll see what the future holds. But I, I do enjoy every part of it. Well, you've got so much to talk about. And I have uh, I have you know, a platform for you to do that. So maybe in a couple months, we'll check back and we'll hear what's going on next. That's so kind. Thank you. It's really, yes. really nice to talk to you, Heather. And thank you for everybody listening. And thanks for listening to the music. Absolutely. It's I great like stuff, Lauren. It's been my privilege. Thank you. And everybody have a great day and take care. Be well. You've been listening to the Indie Music Room with Heather Kelly. Be sure to listen every Saturday and Sunday right here on FortDodgeRadio.com and subscribe for all our past and upcoming shows. The Indie Music Room is a production of FortDodgeRadio.com.